everyone. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Daphne. And I'm Gina. And this is This Week in Skating. Today, we're going to have a conversation about the pair's discipline, and we have two guests joining us today who are well-versed in this topic. Our first panelist is Claire Cloutier. Claire has been reading and writing about figure skating for more than 25 years with a focus on pair skating. You can find Claire's articles and interviews on the U.S. Figure Skating Fan Zone, Figure Skaters Online, and also her own website, A Divine Sport. Claire has traveled to Grand Prix events, U.S. Championships, and was even at the World Championships in March in France. Our second panelist is Megan Duhamel. Many of you know Megan as the two-time world champion, 2018 Olympic bronze medalist, along with gold and silver medalist in the team events at the 2014 and 2018 Olympics. She's also a seven-time Canadian national champion. In her retirement from competitive skating, Megan is a coach, commentator, and is the mom of two little girls. Welcome to This Week in Skating, Megan and Claire. Hi, everyone. Thank you. Hi. Hi, thank you. We're really glad to have both of you here with us to shine a lens on pairs figure skating. I um, admit from the top, my knowledge of pairs is not quite what it is about ice dance, which is my focus on IDC. I'm really excited to hear what you guys have to say in our conversation about this discipline. Yeah, Daphne, but before we get into like talking about pairs, the current state of right now, I want to ask both Megan and Claire to go back to the beginning. And how did you both get into pairs? Megan, when did you start pairs as a competitor? And then Claire, when did you start focusing on pairs, you know, writing about it and reading about it? Um, You know, I was when I was a child, I was a fan of single skating, just like probably most other people that was the the discipline we saw the most on TV. So I was, you know, a big fan of Michelle Kwan and Tara Lipinski, Elvis Stoiko, um, Christy Yamaguchi, like all of these skaters that came in the 90s and early 2000s. When I was 11, a coach had approached me about potentially skating pairs. I was really tiny. I had just learned my double axel. I was a pretty dynamic, feisty skater. And those are usually qualities that kind of veer you towards pair skating and um the coach I did a tryout and they asked me to move it was three hours away from my home um to skate with this boy and I decided not to do it I mean at 11 years old that was probably a very smart decision to not move away from home but uh, my 11 year old mind I was like a little bit full of myself with my newly landed double axel this boy couldn't land his double axel at the tryout And the coach kept telling me, he can do it, don't worry. And I was like, no, I'm not going to move all the way here for a guy that can't land his double axel. So (laughs) I was a little cocky. And um, I kind of forgot about pairs. And I kept going down the singles route. And I was fairly successful going to Junior Grand Prix, winning Junior Nationals. I even went to Four Continents in the Junior Grand Prix final in singles. Um, But I wasn't qualifying for the big events, which was the World Championships and the Olympics. And that's where I wanted to be. I wanted to be a national champion. I wanted to go to those major events. And after so many years of finishing fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh at senior nationals, I was like, okay, that's enough. Maybe pairs is going to give me the opportunity to be the best and make it to the top. And that was like essentially why I switched to pairs was I wasn't winning in singles. 
and I wanted to win. Mm. It's as simple as that. <laughs> um, I was, you know, there's less pairs in a competition usually. Um, in Canada, we usually qualified three teams for the major events, whereas in the ladies' discipline, we were usually only qualifying one or maybe two for Worlds or Olympics. So I just saw maybe more opportunity in pairs, and I'm really happy I made that decision. Uh, well, from my end, um, you know, when I became first became a fan of figure skating, which was in the 90s, um, it was kind of, of course, like a bit of a golden age for pairs skating with Gordier Van Grinkov and Mishka Tenik and Dmitriev, who were pairs that I loved. And, you know, I just always really enjoyed the discipline. And and then later in the 2000s, when, you know, I got even more into skating and decided to start my own website, I wanted to write about pairs because I just felt like, um, like I personally couldn't find enough information about the discipline myself. I couldn't find enough articles about it, enough discussion of it. And um, and so I just thought I would jump in and try to add my bit basically. And that's how, that's how it all started. That sounds very <laughs> familiar to why I started icedance.com. There just wasn't any information without Googling or even, that was even before Google, trying to find things. It was so difficult. You'd have to go to 10 different places. And I just said, no, I'm, I'm putting it all together. It's much easier. So I can definitely relate to that. Well, you know, Megan, what was interesting about what you said is you switch to pairs because you wanted to win and there was more opportunities in pairs. Do you find that to be the case still today that some skaters are going to pairs because the opportunity to, you know, get to be at the big events is there in pairs where it's a lot harder in singles to, um, to go to the Olympics and to go to the world championships. It's easier to switch over to pairs. Are you seeing that thing that brought you to pairs happening today? I think we do see it to a certain extent, but I wish we saw it more. I think that, you know, I see it in Canada, but we can we see it in in all the countries around the world that um, a lot of the times you have single skaters that are very good, but maybe not great. And they're they just hang on to the hope that they're going to be able to be successful at singles and their singles career kind of like runs its course. And then, you know, maybe they're injured or or older and ready to move on with their life. And they never they never venture off into pairs and, you know, uh, test out the waters and that new opportunity. And I also think it depends on um, which country you're from, because some countries, you know, moving into pairs might not be as, as much opportunity as in other countries. Um, but I do, you know, when I talk to skaters and I'm trying to <laughs> sway them over to pair skating, um, <laughs> I do try to use, you know, my, my story and my example um, a lot for them. And there's a lot of skaters that are very good single skaters. They're very competitive. Um, and maybe they would, you know, they're, they're cut out to be great pair skaters instead of just good single skaters. And um, I wish that in Canada, I can only speak really in this regard with Canada, because that's where I have my most experience, that um, there was somebody with the Federation that was, you know, looking at those good single skaters and swaying them over to pairs um, instead of the skaters or the coach having to make those decisions themselves. I wish that there was some higher up officials or high performance directors or something like that, that were helping 
you know, explain to skaters um, that are at that crossroads what pairs can bring them. It certainly seems like it it opened opportunities for you, given the success that you had at pairs. What better example to use than your own experience and having the skater hear it from you, someone who's gone through it must be much more positive, like the response at least. Yeah, and I think in Canada, a lot of our most successful pair skaters over history have been really great single skaters. You know, we think of David Pelche. He was a medalist at nationals. Um, Jamie Saleh was also on the national team for singles. And then, you know, moving through Jessica Dubé and Bryce Davison were very successful single skaters meddling at nationals in their respective, you know, age categories over the years. And then Dylan Moskovich and Eric Radford were extremely successful and winning novice and junior national championships and medals and singles. Myself, Kirsten Moore Towers was a good single skater. So, you know, looking at all our most successful pairs, we did come from very good single skaters, um, but we also came from arenas and training centers where coaches taught both singles and pairs. So we were exposed to pair skating as single skaters. So even though I was competing as a single skater, as a teenager, in the same rink, my coach was teaching pairs and teaching Jacinthe LaRiviere um, and Lenny Faustino at the Olympics in 2002 in Salt Lake City. So I saw that right in front of my eyes. And I think that was really helpful. And uh, some really good single skaters might not even think about pairs because it's not something that they see on a regular basis or something that their coaches are even, you know, exposed or knowledgeable about. Now, do any single skaters tend to, and this is for both of you here, um, if you want to answer this, but do we feel that there's a danger in pair skating that may cause someone who's a single skater from not wanting to go into pairs because we've seen the injuries, we see the difficult lifts and the throws. Is that, you know, some single skaters who are approached to do pairs saying, I don't want to do pairs because I'm scared. Do you get that feeling with single skaters who are being approached to do pairs that don't want to do it because of the dangerous side of the sport? Did you want to start that, Claire? You've talked to so many pair skaters. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Gosh, I... um... You know, I think I've heard, you know, kind of varying things from, you know, skaters, pair skaters who who originally were single skaters and then went into pairs. Um, you know, some of them, you know, initially liked it, initially didn't like it as much. I have heard a few, there are a few skaters I've talked to who have expressed like nervousness about trying some of the potentially dangerous pairs elements like throws. I wouldn't say that's something I've heard from most of them, but like, I remember specifically like Audrey Liu saying that, you know, that was definitely a concern of hers when she started with safety and, um, and how she was reassured by her coach and, and her former partner, Misha. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What, what would you say, Megan? I don't see it as much from the skaters, but I think, Potentially, there it can come from the parents of younger skaters that don't want their their younger um, child to be put in potential danger. Um, and there is an aspect of danger, at least especially for the female, even for the male a little bit too, um, where you're out of control. Out something is out of your own control. So for me, like the thing that terrified me the most in pair skating was a twist, because. I had my job to do and my partner had his job to do, but his job was out of my control. 
once I was in the air, but I needed his control to get me down. <laughs> so um, I just had like a blood curdling fear of twists and it never went away ever. It was there from the beginning of learning pairs all the way until the end where every time I did a twist and I skated around the corner, my heart would speed up. My hands would get a little clammy. Um, but it's not something that like I hear very many pair skaters talk about um, unless it's in regards to to quads and like really more difficult elements like that. But like, I think quads are, are kind of scary for single skaters too. So I mean, who would launch themselves right. into four revolutions <laughs> and not feel a little uneasy about it, whether you're singles or pairs? Yeah, I was going to ask about, you mentioned the quads there because we haven't seen, like you and Eric were doing a quad throw and then Alexa and Chris were doing a quad twist. We haven't seen quads in pairs lately. Is there a reasoning? Is it because they don't get a lot of points for that? I just feel like we're kind of the same technical for pairs. I could be totally wrong on this, but you guys can correct me, but I just... Have we seen the growth in technically in pairs as we are seeing in singles? No, we're definitely not. And now with the rebuilding phase, we're seeing a little bit of a, a dip in the technical in pairs this season, which is what happens when there's a rebuilding phase and it will come out of it. But um, the ISU, you know, they redid the base values of the elements and Shui and Han did bring back the quad twist for the Olympics. Um, it's something that they knew you know, would set them apart and give them the edge where they didn't have the edge on the jumps. They could get the edge on the quad twist. It was a very smart and strategic decision. But in terms of the throw quad, the ICU lowered the base value and it's just simply not worth it. And it was barely worth it when we did it. It was only worth it if it was landed clean and it would get one point, two points more than a throw triple Lutz. But I did both of those throws and the throw quad was definitely more than two points harder to land. Um, <laughs> And then the ISU decided to lower the base value, claiming that it was too difficult and too dangerous. And um, something that I wish the ISU had done in the process of lowering that was talk to the skaters and the coaches who successfully did throw quads. Um, I was somebody who was able to consistently land a throw quad and never get injured. Marissa Castelli did throw quads for years. We never saw injuries from her. Um, I wish that the ISU would have talked to the skaters that successfully did it and maybe had doctors and done some studies and um, really seen that the danger aspect, if done properly and trained properly, is not is not there. The force of landing a throw triple sow and landing a throw quad sow on my ankle, my knees, my hips and my body was the same. It was the same. So nobody from the ISU took the time to do those studies. So I think it was a very uneducated decision to lower the base values because it really inhibited the skaters that wanted to push that side of the sport from doing it because it just made no sense now to to do that. I'm a huge proponent of data, data-driven decisions. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to really talk to the athletes and find out, get that information before you make a decision because then it's a much more educated choice. Mm -hmm. In singles, we've seen a lot of change with base values and scoring to kind of encourage the technical growth. Mm -hmm. And in pairs, I don't think we've seen it. I remember talking to Javier Fernandez once, um, and I don't know off the top of my head right now what a quad sow in singles base value is. Maybe Claire knows that. But for pairs, when we did it, the base value was eight points. And 
it was at least 10 or more for singles to do a quad sow. And I remember explaining to Javier Fernandez how much less we got for a base value throw quad. And he was like, I don't understand. To me, it's harder for some, if somebody was throwing me into a quad, I'd never be able to do it. It seems harder. And I was like, they should at least be equal. A throw triple Lutz was worth the same as a solo triple Lutz. So some, like we were matching all of these elements and then somewhere along the line, the, the quads took a dip. And um, it just never really made sense to me. It was something that we included in our programs because we wanted to push ourselves in that way. And it kind of like became our trademark. But um, a lot of the times, if we would have done an, a really nice throw triple loop, it would have scored a lot more. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it's interesting, you know, that the change, the changes to the valuation of quads and pair skating um, are decisions that were made at the ISU technical committee level. Um, and that seems to essentially mean that they didn't um, need to bear the scrutiny of the entire ISU Congress. Like, as for example, happened this spring when they changed the uh, age uh, minimum or the uh, for seniors. That was something that had to go before the entire ISU Congress. Um, there was discussion. There was actually uh, there was some um, data in the form of opinions from medical professionals, um, you know, which were made public as part of the Congress process. Um, and so basically, you know, that was a decision, the decision to, to raise the um, age for seniors was a decision that happened after discussion and some uh, evaluation of data or medical opinion, at least. Um, but the decision to devalue quads in pair skating uh, was a decision that was made with, with no public evaluation of, of data or discussion or communication essentially at all. Um, and so that's, you know, that's why that decision I think is a little bit frustrating um, sort of as a fan of, of pair skating. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize that, that it wasn't as open as, yeah. um, you know, the decision on the age that this was all kind of just with the, in the technical committee and not a full Congress sort of thing. So that was interesting there, Claire. Something else that happens within the ISU's technical committee is that um, pair skating is in a committee with single skating. Ice dance, you have your own technical committee. Pairs does not. And the person that's leading the charge of the technical committee for pairs never skated pairs. Um, And it, you know, it's really unfortunate that we, when dance got its own technical committee, um, dance like really took 10 steps forward. Yes. There was some amazing Agreed. improvements and new thing, new elements and new rules and new insight. Um, and pairs is still in the same technical committee as singles. And I think that that's really hurt our sport. Why is that? We saw dance grow so much when dance got its own, be- became separated. Um, and for all the, all the right reasons. And it's just, that's what pair skating needs. And I'm not really sure why it's not happening. Yeah, that was what I was going to ask was why. Why, you know, automatically do you just throw pairs within singles? And you, if you separated dance, why didn't you, why didn't we separate pairs too? Yeah, I, yeah. how many years I have looked at those ISU communications come out and the dance one's always separate, singles and pairs. And I never, it never clicked in my head till right now. And I, it absolutely needs its own technical committee. Someone that's that has experience in pairs that understands 
the elements and how the sport needs to move forward to grow because ice dance as its own is a testament to what it can what can be done how it can grow yeah it's extremely unfortunate that nobody has taken the suggestions when they're brought forward by skaters and coaches in this regard i'm not sure i'm not sure exactly the reason why but i know skaters and coaches have have brought forward these concerns and it seems as though it nothing's been done about them at this time Here's a question. Are there pair skating representatives on that technical committee? There are. Well, Eric Radford is the athlete's representative for the ISU, so he does come from pair skating. It seems to me there needs to be more than one or two people. Like, if it's singles and pairs, it needs to be bigger committee, and it needs more representation from all disciplines within that realm, not just, well, here's your your complimentary pairs representative in with a list of you know 10 single skaters it's not going to work um they need to follow the model that they used with ice dance and they keep adding all sorts of really unique and cool um elements to ice dance they do that would be extremely suitable for pair skating as well i'm thinking of the choreographic elements right now like how choreographic spin choreographic lift the skaters could incorporate these things in and help it tell their story Mm -hmm. like it has for dance i i know i said at the at the top of this podcast pairs is a discipline i know the least about but my eyes are (laughs) widening the more that i hear from you guys because Mm -hmm. i didn't understand but now i'm getting it and i'm wondering how much more i have to learn (laughs) It is interesting, you know, I just wanted to add that um, since they added athlete and athlete member to each of the technical committees, um, in the first term that they did that, um, Fedor Klimov from Russia, the former pair skater, he was a part of the single and pair skating technical committee and was, I believe, a voting member. Um, And his term ended and now... um, Song Han from China, you know, the Olympic champion is going to be joining um, the committee as I think a voting member. So, you know, it's great that that, you know, those guys have gotten a chance to hopefully at least bring some uh, pairs issues to, you know, to light at the technical committee level. Um, But, you know, still, they are just like one person, you know, each. Um, And then the other technical committee members, as Megan said, don't necessarily have any pairs experience um, or perhaps not much if they have any. Yeah. They really just need to do like they did with ice dance and completely get their own, get their own committee and, and branch out like that. Cause then you can really put the focus on pairs. I think that's the only way we're going to grow this. The pairs discipline is if there is a technical committee that is focused solely on pairs and not it combined with singles. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Um, One question I have, um, and this could be an interesting topic, but as you know, the, the skating landscape is a little bit different this year, and it started with last year's World Championships, 
when the Russians and Belarusians were not allowed to participate and are still not allowed to participate. Russian pairs have always been held to this higher standard where they're so far ahead of everyone else. Have we learned something from them not being present at competitions? Maybe we've learned why they were so much better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, no, you know what? Like, separately, I think one of the reasons why Russian pairs <clears throat> traditionally have been so strong, um, first, competition breeds competition. The better you have, the more you push each other, the more people are motivated and you want to be better. And it just keeps on trickling down. So we had that. And Russia has many extremely educated and experienced pairs coaches mm-hmm. that have been coaching pairs. Like look at Tamara Moskina for <laughs> decades and decades. Um, and I think that that is very helpful to them. Something else that I think has helped Russia sustain this edge in pair skating on the rest of the world it's a little bit of their skating system so when i look at a skating system in north america if in canada or the u.s um, if you have a skater at one end of the country a female skater and then they're a pretty good single skater they want to skate get into pairs then you have a male partner at the other end of the country pretty good single skater want to get into pairs We have nobody in our federations that are going around and putting these people together and saying, you're going to skate with this person. This is going to be your coach. You're moving there. You're skating in junior pairs, senior pairs, whatever. Um, It's up to the skaters and the coaches or the parents themselves to do this work. In Russia, they will go and find the girl, find the guy and say, this is your partner. This is your coach. You don't have a choice. This is what you're doing. Um, and that's just their their sporting system, right? And we don't operate like that here. Um, in some way, I think that we could take a little bit of that. Um, and I think that that would help bring more skaters into pairs. But I think that those are a couple of the the reasons, other than the obvious, as to why Russia has been so successful in pairs. I had mm-hmm. someone tell me, and I think a lot of fans have talked about this too, that they found that the Grand Prix series this year, both on the junior and the senior were, was boring because we didn't have the Russians. Did I didn't think that, but you guys feel that we've lost the, the competitive edge with not having the Russians in the competitions this season. I I'll just say for me personally, I, you know, I did not mind it. Um, Simply because I just do think it, you know, it has given other pairs and other countries and pairs a chance to get a little bit of the spotlight, which is which has been hard to to grab in the past. Um, but you know, so I personally have enjoyed, you know, the opportunity to see other pairs um, and new countries and pairs. Um, but it is undeniable that the technical level has dropped a little bit this season, which I think is is not completely related to to the absence of the russians there are some other factors in play there as well um but yes you know there there has been a decline in the overall technical level although we still have a lot of good teams there as well yeah i'd have to agree with claire that um you know there's the obvious striking impact of you know we used to have grand prix where russians might win all three medals in the pairs event right so we, we go from that to having a lot more variety of countries and skaters and a little bit more variety of levels of pair skating, winning medals internationally this year. 
Yeah, it's been a bit unpredictable at times. Yes. It, but every discipline has, right? <laughs> yeah. All of the disciplines have been un- a little more unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Gina and I were talking about pairs when we did our discussion about uh, previewing the Grand Prix Final. And when we got to the pairs event, all we said, I think we said was, it's really going to come down to who puts it out there and is clean. I enjoy the excitement of not knowing who's going to win a competition. Yeah. I've enjoyed it. Um, I have to think that the judges do too. Like there's like this mysterious energy in the air of like, what's going to happen? Like nobody knows what's going to happen. Like I could have never predicted that the Italian pair team, that Sarah and Nicolo would would win a medal at the Grand Prix final when the season started. These are exciting and we're, we're, um, getting to know new skaters and new personalities. And these are skaters that potentially could be around in the pair skating world for a long time and give a lot to our sport. Well, I like that, yeah. you know, at the final, um, all three of the teams that won um, were, it was history for them that they were winning, yeah. you know, I mean, like, this is really cool because it's not, we weren't seeing the same three teams that we've, for the past couple of years winning, it was three teams that made history by winning the first medal for their country. It was really exciting. Um, and I, that I think makes, you know, maybe that we don't have the technical, um, abilities from the Russians there. I'm liking seeing this, that these teams are coming and rising to the occasion and making history for their country and are surprising, you know, it was a surprise to see the Italians on the podium, you know, and um, okay, it was unfortunate that Deanna and Maxim weren't able to medal there, but it was just the unknown and, and seeing teams go out there and skate as best they can and, you know, and make history for their country. That was what I really enjoyed with the um, Grand Prix final uh, this past weekend, um, having these other countries that you know, have um, really good Paris teams. I know, Megan, you, about the Italians and the depth you've been saying with the Italians this season, um, it's just seeing, you know, these teams that they've been in the mix but just haven't had their moment to shine because it's been just, you know, these teams from Russia who have just been at the top all the time. Like almost like unreachable to some extent Mm -hmm. for for a lot of skaters unless you were – Shui and Han, right. they were the only ones that could really reach them. And um, I know I was ta- I've been talking a lot about the Italian pairs, but I mean, I guess I mean the Italian figure skating in general because they're really excelling yes. in every discipline. <laughs> so I don't want to just like put my finger on pairs, mm-hmm. um, but they are particularly growing in their pairs discipline, and it's just so unfortunate the way that worlds turned out with COVID and them only having one team. I really really believe the ISU needs to revisit the world allocations um, right now. And especially because the minimum score for the short program got raised. So there's teams not even able to achieve the score. Um, And not only the two Italian pairs that were at the Grand Prix final, they also had two other teams on the Grand Prix. And then they have another team that was on the challenger series, all extremely competitive. Um, I think like, Seriously, right now in the world, for pairs, Italy has the most depth of any country. Yeah. We were talking earlier about what our U.S. Nationals is going to look like because we had teams that had 
retired or broken up and reteamed and it's kind of like a big question mark because we're not really sure what it's going to look like because it's one thing for them to go to different competitions once you get them all together mm-hmm. how it shakes out I, I i told gina i said i am most excited at u.s nationals for pairs and dance because i have no idea how it will shake out in in some of the depth we have in dance and mm-hmm. I have no idea how the how pairs is going to work out with all of these new teams. I mean, it's exciting. It's really yeah. exciting. And somebody is going to have some major opportunities with yeah, with three spots at the World Championships. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and opportunity is a really big word because I think in this situation we were talking about the Italian team meddling, that was an opportunity. They went out and skated well and Unfortunately, as Gina said, Deanna and Maxim did not have their best skate. But others, you know, in the other disciplines also were without their best skates. Like, you don't... Once you get the best all together, things shift around and you just don't know. Like, opportunities present themselves. You have to be ready to walk through that door. You You can't hold back. I think that is sort of like, you know, just one of the, you know, sort of um, nicer offshoots of the Russian Paris teams not competing this year is that, you know, just there is that opportunity and there are certain teams that have stepped right in there, you know, like Deanna and Maxime, for example, you know, like last year, you know, they competed, they did some competing internationally, um, but they were, you know, not at the top and, you know, they were hitting some of their elements, but, you know, struggling on, on others, you know, and sort of like, you know, at a certain level. And this season they have really taken it up a big level and, you know, and have become really competitive and, you know, definitely to my mind, dark horse for a medal at four continents and worlds. And, um, you know, that's something, you know, it's just, you know, you have to think that just, you know, in their mental space, thinking about this year competitively and just realizing the opportunity that there was, maybe that gave them just that extra little motivation to, to you know, really take that next jump in their skating, you know, and it's it's great to see that. I agree. And I think, I think our nationals is going to be really exciting too. Canada has three spots at Worlds. Um, we have Deanna and Max, who everybody has seen this season doing really well, but we also have a new team, Trent and Leah talking about good single skaters transitioning into pairs, um, an extremely intelligent decision from Leah and her team to venture over to pairs, a very good single skater who could compete at a world championships for a top 15 spot, but in pairs, she could compete at a world championship for a medal. Yeah. Um, and it can happen soon. Like they're just a throw triple away from, you know, maybe winning a national title and competing for a world medal as well. So lots of opportunities for these new teams and new faces. And it's really fun for me to watch um, how skaters and their support teams go about um, seizing these opportunities uh, and, you know, where everybody's mental game is at to step through that door and, you know, boldly make your mark. Yeah. Yeah. We're not really sure at this point in time what's going to happen with the Russians being removed from competition. It could be the rest of the season and next year. It could. Yeah, there's there are a lot of factors at play that have nothing to do with skating. 
mm-hmm. really. So we're going to have to wait and see on that front. It's important to remember that even when they come back, they're going to be coming back to one spot at European Championships, one spot at the World Championships. So these opportunities are still going to be there mm-hmm. for for the skaters that are making their mark at this moment. Yeah. I think, too, there's time for skaters to continue to push themselves and grow so they get closer to that benchmark that seems unattainable. They can close the gap mm-hmm. between. Um Because you don't know. I mean, sometimes I've thought about it when a skater or pair or dance team will take a couple of seasons off and then decide to come back. They've got to figure out where they stand now that they've been away for a little while. So one other item that we wanted to talk a little bit about was, and we we touched on a little bit, uh, Claire did, the age change in the sport and the effect that it may have on the development of pairs kind of wanted to get thoughts on on what the effect is going to be and maybe solutions to curbing it yeah i feel like a little bit of a hypocrite because i'm like yes we needed that um age change rule yes we needed it because of very certain situations that were happening in one certain area of the world. Um, but then on the other hand, um, it, you know, it kind of works against pair skating. Um, and we're seeing, you know, the U S has a team with, um, competing at the junior grand prix. Japan has a team competing at the junior grand prix where for the next season, they can't compete anywhere. Um, they're two extremely talented teams that will be just left off the scene. And it's, it's really unfortunate. I think that, um, my suggestion for the ISU would be to look at a couple of things. One would be raising the age for a junior pair boy for junior Grand Prix, maybe allowing them to be 22 or 23 and still compete in junior pairs um, or, you know, making an exception for, for the minimum age in pair skating, um, depending on, you know, your partner's age and for these skaters that are left in this window where they're going to have no opportunities. I mean, in the U.S., they're going to have opportunities to compete at nationals and stuff. But I mean, this Japanese team, are they going to sit at home in Japan and compete against themselves for three years? It doesn't make sense. And they're so Mm -hmm. talented. They're so good. You don't want to lose these skaters. Right. There has to be a solution. And in pairs and dance, there's always been this 18 for the for the woman, 21 for the man. So it's it's not like we're not already treating it special anyway. Because yeah. it's not just 18 across the board for the man and the woman. It's 18 and 21. You do have talented skaters. And they are going to lose out on not being able to compete. And how do you stay motivated? Competing domestically is not going to be enough. So you're not going to want to wait a few years. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to see the teams break up because there's so much potential there. Like you don't want to stop that, especially in Japan where pairs is, I mean, for them to have a pair team win the Grand Prix final and come close to a medal in the junior event. I mean, that is such a step forward from where Japan has been with pairs. You don't want to stop that momentum. 
And these are two great teams for the sport. Like, um, not just the Japanese team. I'm, I'm talking about the American mm-hmm, and the Japanese. Yeah. That will <laughs> that will age out of any competition. Mm-hmm. So I really hope that the ISU is having serious conversations about this. Yeah. Do we think they would Me make too. any change to like at least for maybe the pairs or dance, or is this just gonna we're gonna stick with this age rule and not you know do anything to you know the pairs and the dance where we have this age this age gap between the female and the male and where then they're not going to be able to compete. Um, I think Ted Barton mentioned something during the junior grand prix about that. The ISU is aware of some of these teams where they're going to age out basically after, you know, the season with juniors and then can't compete internationally seniors. So are they ISU going to look into anything to change this maybe for some of these teams that are going to be impacted by this? I know that it's been brought to their attention, but I don't know what will be done or if anything will be done. I would definitely sort of tend to favor more the idea of raising the age for uh, pairsmen and juniors as opposed to lowering the age for for pairs, uh, women and juniors, Um, if only because we want to avoid uh, another situation like we're experiencing right now with with Camilla Valieva, we don't want to see anything like that happen again in skating. You know, um, people that they need to be able to not they be need to be able to compete without being in some special category that exempts them from certain rules or so on. You know, so mm-hmm. I would definitely look at you know between those two options, raising the age of the pairs, men and juniors, absolutely. Yeah, it's a slippery slope. If you start making exceptions, they may. I think it, I don't think it impacts that much to be able to raise the age limit for a junior pair boy. They generally learn pairs later anyways. I think it will be advantageous to all of their development if they can stay in junior a little bit longer if needed. Well, it, it used to be, too, that at, at least in dance, too, I think, too, with pairs, the success and the longevity of the career to me seems longer than with singles because it seems with singles, usually around the ages 23, 24, 25, with exceptions, a lot of skaters will decide it's time to retire. They're in their 30s and there are teams in their 30s and still competing. So I think a strong case could be made for raising the junior pair boy mm-hmm. age simply because of what you brought up, Megan, about them starting it later and then the longev- the career going into their 30s, I mean, it makes sense. 23 is still very young for pairs. Mm-hmm. Yes. In the grand scheme of things. And I think you have to look at each discipline separately. You can't cram them into a box because they just don't all fit there. You have to look at things individually in order to make good decisions but i was like megan who's you know when i the rule change came out i was you know definitely yeah we need this change especially with what happened but then as soon as i started to think about how this would affect you know especially our pairs and dance teams that have the age gap and you've got some young pair girls but some pairs boys that are older and are competing on a junior level and they can't 
compete junior anymore, can't go to senior because we've raised the age limit. I was like, yes, maybe we needed to look at it and kind of on discipline and not just, okay, this is what it is for singles. This is what it is for pairs. This is what it is for dance. Um, Because again, it was, I was so, yeah, I'm glad this is the step in the right direction. And then as soon as I was watching, um, you know, the U.S. team of Sonia Barham and um, Daniel Tumensev, and I was like, oh, they're really good, but they can't compete after the season. So that's, I really think we should have looked at the age thing maybe a little bit better by discipline instead of just, okay, this is the age for all of skating. I think it's like, unfortunately, another example of like pairs skating getting the shaft a little bit. <laughs> Nobody I, thought of this. No. I look at it though, and I worry because how many more shafts can pair skating take before it's just been diminished? Well, we are seeing a lot of countries in Europe developing pair skating and having pair skaters where they didn't used to. I mean, the Netherlands has two senior pair teams. Austria has, um, they lost a senior pair team and they gained a senior pair team. Like there are, Germany's got so many, Italy's got so many. So I think that there is a focus <laughs> to develop pair skating and um, a lot of federations and a lot of coaches want to. Um, so I think that, you know, it is like trucking along in that direction. But I think at the, at the higher end of, the ISU and the powers that be, they need to be shining a brighter light on it on their end, the same way that these coaches in in all around the world are trying to develop and, and bring young skaters to the sport. So you talked a little bit about how difficult it is to bring pairs <laughs> together because other countries have systems and we don't. Um, what we have is a tool called Ice Partner Search, and people go on and they put their they put their information in. Maybe, fingers crossed, they might find a partner on there. But there's no like tryout camps, or or there's not really anyone who's involved in that because it's just not the system that we have here. I mean, it's parents and coaches and kids and there's so many variables to create in a successful partnership. What are some of the things you think need to, to happen in order for the development of pairs to move forward in North America? You know, I think that um, something that's interesting was in 1999, it feels like forever ago. It does. <laughs> my sister went to nationals to compete in novice ladies and I went to watch. And at the end of nationals, there was like, a pairs mix and match. So you went and registered and there, when I went, there was like three boys and like a hundred girls. Um, and you just all skated, did off ice lifts and skated. Um, and I did that camp and that's where my 11 year old, um, or it was 1998 or 1999, 11 or 12-year-old self got a phone call from this coach to go and and try pairs because I decided to attend that camp and we don't do things like that anymore. And I think that was, it was after nationals. So some teams already know that their partnerships are ending at nationals. So it was like the perfect timing, the perfect thing to do. It was run by skate Canada. Um, skaters and coaches were there and, and it was so great and it exposed people. And, you know, this coach saw me there and saw, you know, he would have never seen me anywhere else. I was 
like last at all my competitions and novice ladies. It's not like I was doing that well. Um, so bringing back something like those mix and match tryouts would be a great idea. And I think educating more coaches um, about pair skating, because I think that what happens sometimes is you are a great coach at singles and you have a pretty good single skater and you don't want to lose that skater. So you don't push them over to pairs because if they were to switch to pairs, they would have to switch coaches to a pair coach. And I think that we should educate um, in North America. We can educate a lot more coaches on pair skating and make them feel confident that they can at least be involved in the process Mm -hmm. of pair skating, maybe not be a world level pair coach, but they can, you know, know the basics and enough to um, be involved. And especially at the beginning stages. There's no reason an 11-year-old should have to move away from home to skate pairs. I should have been able to skate pairs in my hometown if I wanted to. Yeah. There should have been a coach that was mm-hmm. at least educated in the basic, basic hold hands, stroke around a circle, and side-by-side spins and stuff like that. That's my take. <laughs> I know in dance, too, it's become more common for skaters to train with their coach, but also... Some will go somewhere else for like in the summer for like six weeks to mm-hmm. work with a higher level coach or to work choreography. And I can see where that might be something that could work also for pairs where yeah. you can work together in your hometown with your partner, with your coach, but also go and gain, you know, experience and knowledge from a coach that may be more knowledgeable than the coach that you have. What do you think, Claire? Mm-hmm. Sort of going off of what Megan said, you know, I think it might help to have, um, you know, maybe like a more formalized route, you know, working with the Federation uh, on partnerships or on, you know, just even exposure to pairs, you know, um, you know, even if it's not a camp like Megan participated in, you know, maybe at least like a central contact person or or central small contact group, you know, with the Federation might be helpful because it seems like so much of, um, you know, the process of finding partners, learning about pairs, you know, it's, it happens through networks of, of coaches and, and, and parents and interested parties. Um, but I just think it might be nice to have a more, a little bit more formalized and kind of official uh, process to it, you know. For those who may not ha- have access to all those networks, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think it relies on luck when it comes down to like that using ICE Partner Search, which is a great tool, but it's not everything. Like there there are other pieces that need to right. come together in <laughs> order for it to work. And it comes down to luck sometimes. Who your coach is friends with. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. What we need is someone who understands pairs really well, who knows from seeing someone and can say, yeah, I think they'd be a really good match for this person. Again, maybe there needs to be like a pair skating coordinator at U.S. Figure Skating and Skate Canada that that's their job is to promote pairs and also connect people with each other. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, I think it needs because it needs to happen. Yeah, from my experience, like I remember when I was skating singles and pairs and I contacted the federation and I was like I mean, 
I was so poor paying for both disciplines and I was going to university and I was working and I mean, I was burnt out and I was like, which one should I do? And nobody would guide me in the right direction. It was like, oh, well, you know, you're pretty good at both. You choose, you choose. And I was like, no, I want an expert to tell, tell me. me. Yes. I want an expert to tell me, no, go down this road. You're better at this. And, and nobody would. Um, and I know that I remember Eric telling me when he was looking for a partner and he had contacted Skate Canada and asked them, you know, do you have any suggestions? Anybody I should try out with him? Oh, you know, you go and look and, and see who's out there. Like nobody was willing to be bold enough to just be like, yes, do this and this person and this person. So you're just always left to your own advice. Like you're just, you're kind of sometimes mm-hmm. wandering around like a chicken with your head cut off. Like you don't know who to contact. You're looking for advice from people at the highest level that aren't giving that advice. Um, and it's a, it's a tough place to be in 2007. Um, I had, I had heard that Craig Bunton's partner had quit and he wanted to keep going. So I remember telling my coach, Oh, do you think he would want to skate with me? And my coach was like, Oh, I'll, I'll talk to his coach. And then Nothing ever came up out of it. But like three weeks later, Craig contacted me himself. Hmm. And I was like, oh, my coach must have like contacted you. And he was like, no. So like things get like lost in communication or my coach just really didn't think he'd be interested. I don't know what the reason was, mm-hmm. but um, it was just, you know, complete plain luck that uh, we found each other. And I know that's what you said earlier, Daphne, that a lot of it is is just luck or it is train at the same rink as somebody or your friends with somebody or your coach's friends with somebody and it it's not an organized enough system it needs to be organized if we're not going to have someone going around picking singles girls to skate with pair boys then we have to have a system that works for north america and if Mm -hmm. that means you have a pairs coordinator then that's what you do you have someone that that is their job connect pieces connect people with each other because partner search isn't enough because there's so many other people that aren't even on it they don't even know about it either some you know i also think we have to have more seminars and things devoted to pairs so that people are seeing what pairs is really all about it we've said this before here that you know no one really knows you know, what pairs entitle, you know, entails. And I just think, I know in the U.S. what we do, one pairs camp a year, and there's no opportunities for skaters to, like, just even single skaters to come together and say, okay, I want to test the waters in pairs and go into that and and learn about it in a camp. You know, mostly the pairs camps and seminars that happen are already for formed pairs. There's no, like... As you know, Megan, you said you went after uh, nationals and there was this pairs thing that you went and it was like a tryout. We don't even, I know in the U.S. don't have anything that is just like, learn more about pairs. Come and like find out a little bit more about the discipline. I just, I think that would help us grow a little bit if we were having more seminars and workshops and things that really introduce pairs to single skaters who may be interested in just don't have anywhere to go to get more yeah to learn and get more information about it yeah even just like an information session where 
And it doesn't have to be in person. I mean, what did the pandemic teach us? We can do virtual all the time. Right. So have a virtual information session. Have high-level skaters there that can be interviewed, like questions can be asked. Also have representatives from U.S. Figure Skating or Skate Canada Mm -hmm. there to answer questions. Like, and experts that can answer these questions, Mm -hmm. even the basic questions. Yes, something that I did before that was really successful is a club had hired us, Eric and I, and our coach, Bruno, to do a seminar. And what the club wanted to do was do a single seminar, but have one hour of intro to pairs. Um, And it was extremely successful. So many skaters chose to attend that extra hour. Um, It was open, like, to whoever wanted to part of the seminar, and it was a really great idea. And a couple of pair skaters ended up coming out of that. But this was something that the club just did. This was, um, you know, somebody that worked for the club on the board that was very keen on introducing pair skating to skaters and giving opportunities. And I don't know why it's not something that more people or more people within, you know, USFSA or Skate Canada um, are interested in doing, unfortunately. Yeah, I I think it's something that needs to be looked at. And I know that, Right now, at least, it seems like we're in a world where we're trying to do more with less all the time. But I think that making an investment, sometimes you have to slow down and step back and make an investment that may take time to get going, but is going to pay off so much more down the road. You have to be willing to say, well, this obviously isn't working, so we're going to try this. Because this Mm -hmm. could work if we invest in it. We need to invest in putting pair teams together. And Mm -hmm. then also helping them understand how you can be successful and that it doesn't always come within the first year or two because I think some give up Mm -hmm. because they think, Well, we're setting this timetable and it's not a realistic timetable. It's not something that really works for a discipline like pairs. And also um, just the knowledge that you can have a lot of partners before you find the right one that will take you where you want to go. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay. It doesn't mean that the partner, the partnership that you had was a failure. It's that, you know, it's like any relationship you have to go through the trials and the errors to find the right connection. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something also that should just be a little bit more spoken about Mm -hmm. in a way. Um, Well, when you're learning and starting into pairs that, you know, you don't jump into that first partnership and think that that's, that's the only way it's going to be. Yeah. It's like, it's like Legos. It's like building blocks. Like this is a block here. When that ends, it it doesn't mean it was a failure because you there's the building block to get you to the next step, mm-hmm. you know? And when, when is the right time to continue a partnership? And also, when is it time to say, you know what? We've, we've gone as far as we can. It's time for each of us to, you know, move on to the next step mm-hmm. so that we each can get to where we want to go. Because I think sometimes... 
Um, there is a lot of focus, especially in dance, in keeping in the same in a partnership that that is where success usually comes from is these longer term partnerships. However, sometimes you stay too long and there's no advancement. You're just treading water because it's it's not fruitful anymore and it's time mm-hmm. to move on. And I I don't think there are resources available to help athletes and their parents understand the discipline, like the ins and outs of the discipline, not just, you know, the on ice, but the off ice pieces as well, how to navigate those waters, because it's not like you said, well, I found my partner, he's my partner forever. And that's how it's going to be. How do you navigate, you know, those changes like it's not easy and there's a lot of um there's just a lot of parts and pieces to Mm -hmm. making it be a success yeah yeah and especially you know with the you know trends you know age differences and pairs can be significant and and so you just often have situations where you know the partnership sort of comes to a natural end just because of the age disparities, the timing of everything, kind of like with Audrey and Audrey Lou and Misha Mitrofanov, um, you know, this year, um, you know, they had a lot of success and, you know, they capped off their career with four continents, you know, title, and they could have kept going, but, you know, their lives, just the timing, the specific timing of it was taking them in a different direction. And I think that happens Mm -hmm. a lot with Paris, you know, even much more than dance, probably. Well, then I also think of like someone like Simon and Marissa, where it was a partnership that was well known that it didn't get along. They did they didn't get along, but somehow they made it work so that they could achieve their goals. Um, and you know, and then when they got you know to the Olympics, they knew okay, we. We kept it going so that we can, you know, could reach our goals together. But now it's time to, you know, to split up. And Marissa and Simon both had, you know, other partners. But sometimes it's not, I think we always assume when, you know, a partnership is together that it's a perfect team and it's just going to gel right from the start. It's not always the case. And sometimes it's a partnership that, may you know that just they don't get along but if they can make it work on the ice they're they can go farther you know and they they can you know if they can make it work on the ice that's what matters I you know that partnership always was very interesting to me because I was like if you don't get along how are you making this work but they made it work you know (laughs) um but yeah I think we think automatically that partners are just they're gonna just you know, gel right away and they're going to be these perfect teams. And that's not always the case. There's there's something that happens in pair skating is pair skating just naturally attracts a very dynamic energy and a specific personality is driven towards pair skating in the female and the male side. And a lot of times in pair skating, you get two very type A personalities um, and that's not always the most successful. I don't know if like, I don't know if that's so much the case in the dance world, because I think that from my experience, it's a little bit of a different personality, um, 
of individuals that are more drawn to that world but for pair skating for sure it's firing you know you have that fear factor (laughs) and that uh dynamic fearless energy usually comes from those type a personalities and i think that a lot of the times you get two of the type a personalities in one team and it doesn't work no but i think that you can make it work if you look at it the way that you look at it like if you look at it like okay this is a partnership almost like a business Mm -hmm. like this is Mm -hmm. we're agreeing to do this we know we can reach this goal we know that our personalities are not a great not the perfect match we're both feisty we're both fiery (laughs) but we know together we can reach this goal You can, I think, make it work, but there's a point too where you have to say, doing this day in and day out with two people that are feisty, fiery, and and butting heads, it it won't, I mean, it's too much. You can almost self-destruct that way Mm -hmm. because it's not, it's just not healthy. Um, But it really Mm -hmm. depends, I think, on the people. In dance, it's, I mean, there are fiery personalities in dance, but I think I think you're right. I think pairs, there's that fear factor and this excitement that, yeah, I think it definitely, it takes a certain personality and fierceness to be able to do. Yeah, I always think it's kind of like the adrenaline junkies <laughs> of skating go to pair skating. <laughs> In some weird way. <laughs> you know what? That's the perfect thing to put on a flyer. <laughs> Are you an adrenaline junkie? Question mark. Hair skating might be for you. <laughs> I feel like we've developed the marketing materials yes. for pairs for the next few years from this conversation. <laughs> so we've talked a lot about about. I think everything before we close, is there anything else that you think we haven't touched on that needs some attention, like a lens on it or is a good, you know, topic to discuss? We've covered a lot of ground. (laughs) I've learned a lot. I think for me, you know, like, you know, number one for me right now is, um, you know, sort of uh, honestly kind of going back to what was mentioned before about, you know, like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we had maybe like some choreo elements like dance and pairs, you know, that for me right now is number one. I feel like in pairs, it's just the element, it's just elements and there's not enough skating. I feel like we need more skating. We need more personality. We need more um, choreography um and a more distinctive look for each team um you know I really miss you know just sort of the personalities and the distinctiveness of the teams from from Megan's prime era like the the 2015 to 2018 era and I just want to bring some of that back uh to Paris skating right now and see more of that yeah I agree with you Claire I was talking the other day actually and saying like um, just comparing, for example, the top two from the Grand Prix final, Alexa and and Brandon. I always still want to say Alexa and, Chris, <laughs> um, and Riku and Ryuchi. They both have really beautiful free skates, but they're both very similar free skates to each other in terms of style and musical choice. Um, 
and like the packaging of the, you know, the choreography and the musical choice and the emotion of the program. Um, and I just wish that we would see some Paris teams stepping out of the box a little bit more um, with some more bold and unique choices in terms of music and characters um, that they're displaying on the ice. And I think that if we're not right now in the system able to step out of the box technically, because right now a lot of things just make it not worth it to do that, then I think we need to step out of the box in other ways. And that's by, you know, doing different types of programs and styles of programs. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but you always learn and evolve as a skater, no matter what. And I always use myself as an example that in 2014, we tried a character driven program to Alice in Wonderland and it didn't work, but it made us better skaters by trying. And we did the same thing in 2017 with a short program to seal. It was different. It was bold. It really didn't work, but we tried and and uh, it helped us grow as skaters and as people and find out what what we wanted to do for the Olympics. And um, it would just be fun to see to see the skaters coming out with a little bit more unique music choices and choreographical choices and characters and emotions and, you know, diving down that path while we're not able as much to dip into the creative side technically. And just feeding off of that, it's like, and, and going back to our discussion about the technical committee, you know, um, and rules changes there, I'd like to see if there are, you know, I'd like to see basically the technical committee, the IC technical committee, look at changes that need to be made to the discipline in order to allow for more freedom and more expression and more, um, you know, more personality in the, in the discipline. And I think like, isn't what, we love about sports and about, you know, about skating, but about sport in general is um, the different athletes that come in the sport. And we don't want pair skating to be, to become cookie cutter. Right. And for everybody to be like mm -hmm. each other. I mean, I love to push the technical envelope. I love to go for the throw quad and do the triple lutz, but I also love to see how Shui and Han pushed themselves artistically and that, that emotional side of their skating and their connection on the ice. And it was completely different than how I chose to push myself, but I still appreciated both sides mm -hmm. of that. And um, I just think that when we, when we limit skaters, everybody just kind of blends in yeah, and they become like each other. And we, we don't want that. We want the skaters to have the option of pushing themselves in the way that they can mm -hmm. push themselves the most. And it will be different for each skater. But when we when we cut what we can push technically, we limit a lot of people. Yeah. When you have an event filled with lots of different types of programs, it's much more exciting to watch. Mm -hmm. And not everyone is meant to do a lyrical style or, um, you know, fiery, passionate tango. Like, mm. if you're doing what makes you comfortable and is about who you are, or you're playing a character that you're really into playing, it's going to come across on the ice. You're going to have trial and error. Like, like Megan, you were talking about the SEAL program. You tried it. It didn't work, but you learned from it. It was a part of the process. And I think you have to be able to try those things, but also figure out if it's going to work. And if it doesn't work, don't beat yourself up about it. Just realize, hey, 
this is not the program for us. Let's move on. Like, we'll do something else. Well, we both really appreciate you both taking the time to talk with us. I learned a lot. Um, I definitely did. So much I didn't know. And I realized, I realized I've been really lucky with Ice Dance that we have had all of these changes and the growth that we've had. But I also now really feel sad for pairs that they haven't been given this oppor- the same opportunity to grow and develop in a technical way. And you know what? I can speak as a pair skater. We watched the evolution of ice dance happen. And the pair skaters want this evolution to happen in pair skating. They wanted to. We're, we've been envious of how ice dance has really grown and evolved and um, continues to do so. It does. And it's changed so the, much. The pair skaters want it to. The coaches want it to. It's just got to get the ISU to make sure that the right people are working at the top to make that happen. You got to get the right people on board to help push things Mm -hmm. forward so that pairs can experience the same growth. Because what I saw when I started my website back in 1999 is not what Ice Dance is today. But watching it over the last 23 years, you know, start off slow, but then start to change. It's been amazing. And I want the same Mm -hmm. thing for pairs. Mm -hmm. I want pairs to be able to be let out of the box to grow and blossom. And I think that's what everyone should want in that. Anyone that cares about the sport of figure skating should want that for all the disciplines for them to be able to grow and blossom it just makes it better. It makes it more fun to watch and more exciting and and more fun for the skaters who are putting in all the hours developing their programs mm-hmm. and developing themselves. Just makes it better all around. So we want to thank Claire and Megan for joining us. We really appreciate them taking the time to have this in-depth discussion about pairs figure skating. Gina, can you let folks know where to find us? You can find us at our website. It's thisweekinskating.com. On social media, Twitter, it's at thiswkinskating. And Facebook and Instagram, it's thisweekinskating. We love your feedback. If you have a feedback about this discussion we had, or if you have some questions for Megan and Claire that we can pass along to them, you can reach out to us on social media, or you can email us at thisweekinskating at gmail.com. We really appreciate all of the feedback we've received since we started the podcast back in May. Uh, With that, we've reached the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. I'm Daphne. And I'm Gina. And you've been listening to This Week in Skating. Have a great week!